Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. At some point in our working life, we all discover there's more to a job or a career than just how much money we make. Many of us discover the rewards of helping others, building more than just a resume or a business, helping to build an actual community. If we're lucky, we get to do this kind of community service a few days a year. I want to introduce you right now to two people who dedicate their entire business and working lives to literally building communities. Jim Pate is the executive director of the New Orleans Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity has a unique business model that combines volunteerism and sweat equity to finance people into houses. Under Jim's leadership for a number of years, Habitat for Humanity has been the biggest single home builder in Louisiana. In New Orleans, they built the impressive Musicians Village. Over the last decade or so, they have contributed over $300 million in economic development to the local economy. Jim, welcome out to lunch. Peter, so good to be here today. Dylan Tett is the founder and executive director of a village under construction in Gentilly called the Bastion Community of Resilience. When it's completed, Bastion will have 78 residential units for military veterans who are returning to civil life with life-altering injuries and rehabilitative needs. It is a unique and pioneering model. Dylan, welcome out to lunch. Great to be here, Peter. Thank you. Now, Jim, it's hard to overstate the impact Habitat for Humanity has had around the world and here in New Orleans. Uh, worldwide, you personally have overseen housing projects in places as diverse as South Korea and South Africa. Here in New Orleans, since Hurricane Katrina, you've built 550 homes and coordinated over 100,000 volunteers, and you conceived, designed, and built the Musician's Village. This is a construction business on a scale that would rival any home building company anywhere in the country, and it is fundamentally a business. Although there is a lot of volunteer labor, it's not a charity in the sense that the homeowners end up paying for their houses. Can you outline the business model for us? How does a person or family get chosen to have a Habitat house, and how does that whole process work? Well, Peter, roughly our families fall in the 30 to 60% of median income. This is low income and very low income families. Our model is based economically on Exodus 22:25, And since I'm not a preacher, I'll paraphrase okay. it. Which is when you sell or lend to the brother or sister in the community, make no profit and charge no interest. So that's our fundamental economic model. And by this, we mean that when our families are buying their home, ultimately, we are selling it at hard cost. That's land, material, and required licensed subcontractors. And then we, due to the generosity of our donors and sponsors, we were able to provide the permanent financing, which we provide at zero interest. That makes all of this economically feasible for low-income people. They are, in fact, buying their houses, and they put in 350 hours in New Orleans in sweat equity. That's working on other Habitat homes, our Habitat Restore, ultimately the last 100 hours plus on their own home. 
Now, the impact of this in New Orleans is the average rent right now is about $1,100 for a three-bedroom apartment risen, here. here. Uh, our homeowners are making a total monthly payment that has five components, and that's their principal, no interest, real estate taxes, homeowners and flood insurance, and this being New Orleans termite insurance. So they're making a total monthly payment of those five components, and it equals right now approximately 600 to $650 a month for them to buy their own three-bedroom, 1,100-square-foot, single-family, detached home with a fenced yard and all of those type of things. Dylan, the difference between successful people and the rest of us is successful people have a great idea and unlike the rest of us, follow through on it. Your idea was to provide housing for military veterans returning with special needs and with limited abilities themselves to finance the remodeling or building of a home designed around their restricted mobility and other requirements. So financing and building one house like this would be a major achievement. Building an entire village is a massively ambitious undertaking. What were the first steps in going from an idea to making this thing actually happen? Well, uh, as it turns out, it, it pays off to be incredibly stubborn and hard-headed, <laughs> which is a trait uh, that I uh, adopted very early in, in my Army life. Uh, and it now, that's right. So well. I, I want to ask you, you are ex-military. Correct, yes. You're a West, I was West Point guy? West Point, uh, branched infantry, uh, served in the 2nd Infantry Division. 3rd Brigade out of Fort Lewis, deployed to Mosul, and uh, landed in New Orleans three months before Katrina. Wow. So you, you're brave and courageous, but you don't have good timing. <laughs> right. That's how they... Yeah. That's how they <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you were stubborn. Yeah. Well, uh, all joking aside, I've had a lot of uh, great help along the way. I'm not a professional housing developer, but we partnered with Renaissance. Uh, uh, property group uh, who had done the, excuse me, the Falstaff and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the Handelmans on O.C. Haley. And just an incredible amount of support along the way. This is a, a, a four-year uh, journey uh, from start to uh, groundbreaking. And we've learned a lot uh, along the way. I mean, we have done a lot of research uh, in the area of traumatic brain injury and social support and instrumental support and what it is this thing called intergenerational living it, that's what i was first going to ask you the uh the the location of the village itself it's can you tell us where that is yeah we're located at 1901 mirabu avenue so that is i think near city park uh, it's one mile from city park it's actually ground zero for the london avenue canal breach wow yeah <laughs> picked a spot so well we we uh there aren't a lot of five and a half acre properties in new orleans right. uh but we fell in love with the neighborhood immediately uh, the property has these beautiful live oak trees there are a lot of residents uh who came back after katrina um and gentilly historically was settled by uh returning gis african-american gis returning from world war ii and so oh. it it just felt like a a, a great place to 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 plan our, our community. And you mentioned something that um, that we hear more and more about. You said the, the units were going to be intergenerational. They were going to be, I, I read, was yeah. it some ex-military, some civilian helpers? Yeah. So Bastion is an intentional community. An intentional community is a, a type of co-housing model that, number one, has a purpose, uh, and number two, fosters a high degree of camaraderie among the residents. So take that and apply it to a military population who normally come with an extraordinary sense of purpose, uh, who are mission-oriented, 
and uh, and who are used to being uh, or are used to standing shoulder to shoulder with their comrades um, and depending on one another uh, for their safety, for their security, for their survival. Um, so that is what is an intentional community is. We're doing that for warriors and families who have lifelong rehabilitative needs. Traumatic brain injury is the signature wound from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, there's no cure for it. Um, uh, the symptoms will tend to worsen over time. And so how great would it be to live next door to a volunteer, which is the other group in our population, who is equally committed to your well-being, uh, who will provide six hours of service each week in the form of mentorship, respite for the caregiver, tutoring little Johnny after school, you name it. The Musicians Village shares many of the aspects of Dylan's project, perhaps not as dramatically, but it is in fact an intentional community. And basically the way it arose is that Harry Connick Jr. was a supporter of Hab New Orleans Habitat prior to Katrina. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, he in fact came in very early on, helped do some rescues, called his good friend Branford Marsalis and said, <laughs> we're going over to the Houston Astrodome to make folks comfortable there, the evacuees. And both he and Branford had gotten dozens and hundreds of phone calls from musicians who were scattered all over the country and all over the world. And they were trying to figure out what to do. So they talked to their manager, Anne-Marie Wilkins, who said, guys, you, the only thing you know is music. <laughs> so they said, hmm, let's call Jim, because the most important thing from our perspective and our, our little intent is to make sure that we preserve and nurture the rich musical tradition and heritage of New Orleans and get our musicians back to town. So they approached us. Uh, we had located this particular, as it happens, eight-acre track of land. I'm sympathetic with Dylan on that point. It's tough to find that, but this was an old school board property. We had actually identified it just before Katrina. We were able to acquire it and break ground in, in uh, March of 2006 uh, on that property. We have 72 single-family homes, 10 elder-friendly duplexes, the incredible Ellis Marcellus Center for Music, which is a very active and ongoing uh, outreach to youth and adults in, in the community musically, and the Bob Hurwitz uh, Toddler Park. And all of that is designed much like Dylan's Bastion Project with a focus on the people who live there. All habitat houses have a front porch. You put 78, 72 musicians <laughs> in one place like that, you're going to get a lot of music. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. My guests are Jim Pate, Executive Director of the New Orleans Area Habitat for Humanity, and Dylan Tett, Founder and Executive Director of Bastion Community of Resilience. Dylan, whereas uh, Jim's project is uh, actually equity and they own the homes, these are, these are rentals? It's a rental model. Uh, we leveraged affordable housing tax credits as the cornerstone of our financing, mixed in some philanthropy and some, some HUD grants and uh, a little bit of debt, but yeah. What about the business backgrounds for you folks? What about Dylan? Uh, uh, did you what did you hmm. have coming out there? Because I mean, you mentioned military and then this. Yeah, are, are you familiar with the concept of battlefield entrepreneur? No, this will be the first time it was brought up on this show. So uh, I, think, I think the Israelis were the first to coin this. Um, but, you know, you take a 21-year-old uh, who's in charge of, you know, 30 other individuals, uh, forward deploy them, ask them to meet with the local sheikh and resolve some tribal dispute one day, go to the mayor the next day and figure out the drinking water problem, and then 
plan and conduct an assault uh, the day after that? I mean, where else do you empower you know, such subordinate leaders to make these kind of critical decisions? And uh, I, I, so that was my MBA. Jim, what about yourself? You are, you're an attorney. Uh, wh what about the business side? Where did you learn it? Uh, recovering attorney, yeah, Reco 25, <laughs> years, 25 years litigation for you. Um, <laughs> left my law practice to go uh, join the Dallas Habitat for Humanity oh, okay. affiliate. I went there in 1992. Uh, I had spent about eight years as a what we call a core volunteer, somebody just volunteers all the time. And I got up one time and I said, do I want to practice law or do I want to do what I really like doing, which is Habitat? So I went to Dallas. Uh, ran that affiliate till 2000, came here in 2000 um, to take over the New Orleans affiliate and grown it. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, banking background, legal background. I occasionally have somebody say, man, aren't you wasting your law degree? And my response to them is I use the law degree and every other scrap of knowledge I can scrape up uh, more every day than I ever did in law practice. Jim, let me ask you, you, when you went from, you know, being at a law firm and more of those traditional kind of positions, you obviously took a, a big pay cut to come to Habitat. Uh, what's that like? Because I think people li listen to the show sometimes and they say, you know, I'd like to make that move, but I can't imagine making that part of the leap. Uh, yeah. What did you do? Hood? There's a couple of things that come to mind. One is the old saying that find something you love doing for a job and you'll never work another day of your life. So the excitement and passion and enthusiasm is what you thrive on. And as I'm sure Dylan knows from those really lean times when he was out in the field, you find that when you look at something that you want to do, that you have a passion to do, that you can do with a lot less material things. So you just make that kind of adjustment. And you start getting a lot more excited about having a good pickup truck and a, a nice, you know, 22-ounce hammer as opposed to a Porsche and, you know, a new library. Dylan, you really, almost the same question, but when you came out of the military, for instance, I know that our students with military backgrounds, employers just love them. Uh, you could have done a lot of different things. What, how did you? Yeah, that's true. Um, had a lot of friends go to corporate America. Uh, I decided to uh, reinvest in, in, in a graduate degree. Uh, orientation was August you know, 29th, 2005, <laughs> so I never made it. That was it. freshman move-in day for us, uh, I understand. <laughs> but you know, when, when the storm happened, I really saw the need here, and I wanted to get involved right away. And I mean, in one sense, I just kept you know, putting one foot in front of the other and seeing where opportunities would go. When, you know, as the wars dragged on and, and you know, I had buddies coming back pretty banged up, uh, took a, a quick look around and, and decided very quickly that enough was not being done. And, uh, you know, in the third stanza of the Ranger Creed, it says, never shall I fail my comrades. And so that, that real sense of purpose uh, sticks with you, and um, and in 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 some way I don't. I mean I have taken off the uniform, but uh, it's still very much a alive and a part of my identity, who and, I am. Then when you came back, were you? Did you have your own issues? Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much. You're looking good now. We could talk it? all day about my <laughs> issues. Uh, no, I mean I look, Peter. At the very worst of it, I I checked into the VA after wanting to end my own life, and um, 
and that's that that's hard that's hard to come to terms with yeah. um especially when you're when you're trained you know never to quit uh and it's and so it takes a lot of uh rebuilding uh personally speaking but i got the help that i needed um i'm lucky in that you know i have no physical ailments um it's it's psychological and uh Sebastian Younger's uh, book called Tribe. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend okay. it. it. Talks about post-traumatic stress as a, a social disease, and in in some way, I mean, that's he's right. Uh, we all need each other, uh, and if you can imagine someone who's being medically evacuated off the battlefield, they're really experiencing two types of losses: whatever occurred, the injury, and then they're you know they're being ripped apart from their uh, from their comrades, you know, who they trusted with their life, and uh, it's it's another type of loss, and uh, I, I felt that for sure. Let me ask you both of you: what is what can people do to help each of your organizations? I assume uh, uh, a don't uh, a check would be considered uh, tax-free. I mean, uh, tax deductible. Yes, would that be right on both, both camps. So there's. Uh, yep. What else could they do? Well, in our case, they can volunteer and. Particularly post-Katrina, we had volunteers uh, from all over the country and all over the world. We recruited and deployed over 175,000 volunteers over a five-year span and many more since then. But what we're really trying to do in terms of, of New Orleans is build that core volunteer group I mentioned earlier. We've got about 22, 24, 25 really fine people who dedicate uh, two times a month to come out and spend a day working with us. We would love to build that crew. We're also a great site for a local business or someone that wants to give back to a community. We tell them, why would you want to go play fall into your buddy's hands or build a beach uh, float out of a folding chair when you can actually come out and help build the community? Because it's a tremendous team building opportunity as well. That core group you talked about, Jim, uh, would I be surprised that how that looks demographically, a lot of different ages and... Yeah, it's, it absolutely is. It's surprising. Uh, obviously, you got a lot of folks that are retired or at a point in their career where they can choose to take a day off a month. And by the way, we work Tuesday to Saturday on our job sites um, that take that kind of time. We've got an awful lot of young folks, too, who work it out. Sometimes they've got odd schedules. We've got an airline pilot, for example, who flies four days a week and is off three days a week. <laughs> Great. They can control their schedule. So it does cover all the demographics. It's about 60-40, uh, 60% 60 male, 40% female. Um, so it's a, it's a completely diverse mix. We also have some of our partner families that are in their house, living in their house, but they know the importance of giving back, and they still come out and volunteer with us now. We have some that have well over 1,000 hours. And Dylan, what, what would people do to help you out? Well, uh, two really great ways. One, we are in the middle of a, uh, a campaign, a capital campaign for phase two. And so going to joinbastion.org and donating online or, or writing a check uh, would be very helpful indeed. We do have aspirations to build a wellness center uh, that we can then open the doors to our neighbors and the greater community of uh, veterans and families who could benefit from our services. But then I would also say, uh, come and serve with us. We we don't really look at ourselves as a an organization that is serving veterans. We are recruiting veterans to serve the community, 
And I think that's uh, an important distinguishing uh, feature about just our, our philosophy. We, the men and women who are going to live at Bastion are, are tremendous assets uh, to the community, and we're going to leverage that to the fullest extent to solve some real problems uh, in New Orleans. And I don't think if, I, I don't know if I asked you earlier, but when will be the ribbon cutting? When will people start moving in? Uh, TBD, Peter, I'll have okay. to get back with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a soft opening, and then I think once we amass a critical, uh, thank you, uh, group of residents on site, um, we'll, we'll, we'll cut a ribbon. Yeah, that'll be great. I'll supply the ribbon. <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> Jim, Dylan, while the rest of us are going about our daily lives at work and home, it puts things into some sort of perspective to know that you two are out there dedicating your lives to building a better community for all of us. I'm not actually deputized to speak on behalf of the citizens of New Orleans, but I don't think any of them would object to me thanking you on their behalf for all the great work you've done and are continuing to do for our city and the greater community. It's been a pleasure to meet both of you, and thanks for taking the time to join me today and out to lunch. Thank you so much, Peter. <laughs> Appreciate you helping us share our message, and I look forward to working with Dylan in the future. That'll be a team up. There's uh, my guests and out to lunch today have been Jim Pate, Executive Director of the New Orleans Area Habitat for Humanity, and Dylan Tett, Founder and Executive Director of the Bastion Community of Resilience. You can find out more about Jim's and Dylan's inspiring construction projects by following the links on our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Matthew Ellefson. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's music is available wherever great jazz is sold, streamed, or stolen. And at MitchellForeman.com. You can get the show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, and come on, guys, they might, they might, uh, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base joneswalker.com and by sure associates legal recruiters in louisiana and texas and orange theory fitness